0: The following is a hoop ball presentation.
1: Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis, who did not have a good night last night as a Chicago Bulls fan. No, you can definitely
0: say that again. Um, I, look, we knew going in that there was a pretty strong chance the Bulls weren't going to have a first-round pick, but you just yes. you never know. There's always that hope. There's that, that Derrick Rose slimmer of hope that the Bulls might just get lucky again. Uh, but alas, they did not. It is okay. Uh, we'll just have to get into this article cuz i do love i do love the draft process. It's one of my favorite parts of the of the offseason is just getting to know all these rookies coming into the league, kind of diving in, preparing for our dynasty drafts. And i like to prepare now. I I like to kind of gear up and get mm-hmm. ready to go and look at where these teams are are located, potential picks. I think i look at three mock drafts every day. I Google NBA mock drafts when I'm at work and I look at the most updated ones. Man, you are
1: just exposing
0: yourself of what you do at work. That's two in a
1: row. You got to be, man, I I don't affiliate with this guy at all. (laughs) Uh, But in case you can't tell, we are talking about the lottery results from uh, the other night. And I think that for the most part, it was a pretty good lottery. You know, nothing, nothing too crazy happened. Detroit got gifted the first overall pick got gift Cade Cunningham, or maybe not. And, you know, just a lot of things happen. So first things first, Detroit did win the lottery. They did get number one overall. Their GM, Troy Weaver, has been doing his due diligence lately, making sure that the league knows they're not guaranteed to take Cade Cunningham, but they're going to take Cade Cunningham.
0: (laughs) Just a big old smokescreen that he's throwing out there. I think he's looking for maybe just a massive overpay for the number one pick, but even still, they're a team that needs talent. Cade is the most talented player in the draft, and they're going to take him. So don't, you know, don't be thrown off by
1: uh, what he's throwing out there to the media. But also, if you're a Killian Hayes owner, also don't be thrown off because I, I see a future where they can play together pretty easily. His his dynasty outlook does take a little bit of a hit because the assist potential that he had was one of the biggest selling points. And that's obviously going to go down because playing next to Cade, just naturally, that's another ball handler. It's going to go down. But that's not the only thing that Killian was going to contribute to in regards to fantasy. He was going to be decent rebounds, pretty good steals, good defensive numbers, decent free throw percentage. And so specifically for Killian Hayes, who I think is impacted by them winning the lottery more than any other player on the Pistons that matters. I am not worried about this. So I kind of disagree with you there. I would be
0: a little bit concerned if I'm in Hayes owner, not just because of the season he had last year. I mean, look, he was injured. He was adjusting to the NBA. I I cut him a ton of slack for the season that he had. But if Cade is what they say he is, he's going to demand the ball in his hands on offense. And the big thing with Hayes is his vision, his ability to pass, and that assist-steal combo that he can bring to the table. So if he's not getting those big-time assist numbers, I'm I'm really concerned with how Hayes is going to fit long-term. I, I do eventually foresee a trade. I, I think Hayes might get traded within the future. Now, I'm not saying next year they're just going to, get rid of him. I think they're going to maybe build his value up a little bit. I can see them coexisting because Kate is kind of a combo guard, but I just think if he's a, as good a player as they say, he's going to demand the ball and Hayes is, is going to be a second thought.
1: Now, I moving on. say I'm not worried. <laughs> you because, because I think that was
0: the, the first thing I texted you was as soon as Detroit won, like all I said was, uh Oh
1: yeah. And just, I own um, Killian um, Hayes. <laughs> and so it's not great. This is probably, this is not good because there's an argument where if they get four and they draft Jalen Suggs, it's like, okay, Suggs can play off ball. And then you got Killian Hayes as primary Jalen green. They don't play the same position. Jonathan Kaminga, Evelyn Mobley, blah, 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 down the list. Cade will definitely take the ball from Killian. And that definitely changes what he can be. But at this point, if you're a Killian Hayes owner, you just kind of have to take it and see what happens because I don't think Killian's value could be any lower. Absolutely. Do not go out
0: there and sell Killian Hayes for, I mean, basically anything you, you paid for him last year. I would, if I, unless I'm getting value that I did last year, which is probably somewhere in that four to six first round pick range yeah, or a solid player, if you're a competing team, you, you got to hold them, right? You got to see yep. how they coexist. You got to see, you got for one, make sure Detroit drafts Cade, but Uh, we we pretty much know that's going to happen, but you definitely got to see how they coexist in that offense. There is a chance that, that maybe Hayes is the de facto point guard and Cade's going to play a little bit off the ball, or maybe it's kind of like a, um, a Garland Sexton combo in the backcourt where both guys can handle the ball a little bit better defensively, but (laughs) sure, a little bigger too, but, but yeah, well, maybe there's something like that where both guys can kind of handle the ball. Both guys can run the offense, have their sets. So, Hold Hayes, his value is super low right now based on what he did last year, but the upside is there for him. And if nothing else, if Cade becomes the player that he he can be and the potential that they're saying he has, I I foresee Hayes getting traded at some point if that happens, which is going to help his value overall anyway.
1: I understand, but the league is built right now to where you have to have multiple ball handlers. And I think in that regard, it makes sense to have Hayes and Cunningham on the same team, even if it does mean not maximizing what Hayes can be. But there's a situation where they have one of them on the floor at all times. And each of them is the primary point guard in that 17 minutes a game where they play by themselves. And then the other 10 minutes a game, 15 minutes a game, whatever they're playing with each other to open and close games. That's when you'll see some value hit, but it doesn't really matter because you, you're not going to be able to get very much for Killian Hayes right now anyways. And and, and
0: look, he played 26 games last year.
1: So yeah. we really – we're no speculating
0: idea. here. We that, really don't know what – no idea. We don't really don't know what kind of player he's going to be. He could next year come out and, and shoot and make two threes a game next year. We, we just don't know. So you, you do have to hold him if you're looking to, to – if you're a little bit scared or, or want to try and get, get off of him, good luck. I don't think you're going to get a ton of value back for him for what you paid for him last year, like I said. So – Definitely just hold him. Now, a player that I think definitely is a winner with Detroit getting the number one overall pick is Isaiah Stewart. Yes. In a lot of mocks, we saw Detroit being in that two-hole and them taking Mobley. We talked about it
1: in our two Hot article, in our discussion.
0: And we did, yep. And and Stewart being one of those players that I thought was going to be a career backup. Maybe I still I still think that right long term I, I definitely am not going to change my thought on that, but for a short term, next year looks, next year he's going to be very useful. So if if I was maybe writing uh, an article on players that you should sell now sell high, he would be near the top of my list.
1: Yep, but that's not the only big that got impacted because of the way this uh, draft lottery worked out. And that transitions us into the number two overall pick in the Houston Rockets. And the big that I'm referencing is Christian Wood. It seems like the Rockets will probably take either Evan Mobley or Jalen Green at number two. That's, that's my personal opinion. Uh, a lot of draft guys talking about it. It doesn't seem as clear cut about Mobley over Green. Like it may have a couple weeks ago, maybe even a couple of days ago, but if Houston does take Evan Mobley, what do you think that does to Christian Wood's dynasty outlook?
0: Well, I think it hurts
1: him. I, I do
0: wonder how they can coexist w- with the way that the current NBA is designed and I don't know if they're going to be able to play on the floor. I mean, you look at your beloved Pacers. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you
1: about some teams that play some
0: bigs. I saw you just smiling over there, and I, I knew exactly what you were thinking. It, it just doesn't work, right? In today's no, NBA, it does it, it, it just, just does not work. So it, it there is some concern there if they end up taking Mobley. Now, that is not a foregone conclusion. I can absolutely no. see them taking Jalen Green. I can see them taking Suggs. There's a lot of options that they have there. So if it is Mobley, I would be a little bit concerned for Wood. I don't know how they're going to coexist. Now, the big thing with Mobley is he's very versatile. He can shoot from the outside. But I don't feel that they would waste him as at the four spot when they can run him at the five with that versatility and put in a, a better shooter at the at the power forward position. So there, there is a little bit of concern there, but we, we really don't know what the Pistons are going to do. It's all speculation. So everybody's pretty much a hold at this point.
1: That's the thing with teams that have high draft picks that also have older players currently on the roster that may be at the same position as that draft pick. There's certain situations I'm sure we're going to get into where those drafted players are going to have to buy their time. They're going to sit on the bench, they're going to they're going to develop in a smaller role. But that's not the case with the Houston Rockets. If they draft Evan Mobley, they should be playing Evan Mobley. Like that's that's what should be happening. And it might come at the expense of Christian Wood. And I've even seen some people talking about they would prob they would look to trade Christian Wood to a contender to open up that spot because the Rockets don't want to win games. They don't they're going to be out there trying to make the most of their number two overall pick. And if that's Evan Mobley, it will be interesting to see what that means for Christian Wood. I think there is a chance they can play together because both of them are kind of yes and no, both of them are kind of slight. So they can maybe do some stuff on the perimeter, but I don't, I promise you that it's not a long-term solution. (laughs) As as a Pacers fan, I promise you, it's not going to work. You can squint your eyes and think that they're AD and Boogie Cousins. That's not what the league is. That's not who your players are. But if they do take Jalen Green, is there anybody on the roster who gets significantly impacted with Jalen Green? There are.
0: I mean, immediately the first guy that comes to mind is everybody's kind of favorite young up-and-comer guy, and that's Kevin Porter Jr., KPJ. Yeah. Me and you, we, we really aren't big fans of him. No. So Sorry. I'm not going to get into that discussion. That's going to take a whole nother episode in itself with <laughs> the KPJ love. But I, I really think he would be influenced if, if they take Jalen Green or even Suggs. I think either one yeah. of those, he's going to get influenced there with his playing time. Now you can say, well, no, it's going to be John Wall. They're going to bench John Wall and they're going to play KPJ and the rookie, but I, I don't see them paying John Wall $40 million to just sit him all year. He's, he's going to be on the court when he is healthy. And and that means that it's going to be a battle for minutes between KPJ and the guard. If they end up taking a guard.
1: KPJ is absolutely negatively affected if they end up taking somebody other than Mobley. And the reason that is, is, Kevin Porter Jr.'s success last year with fantasy, if you can even call it that, I'm going to look up where he finished and keep talking. Kevin Porter Jr. was very volume driven. And by that, I mean, he had as much opportunity as he could handle. And I think that that matters a lot when you're talking about bad teams. And I think we talked about it again to keep harping on past episodes, but we talked about it. There's opportunity that players get that on bad teams that they just don't get on good teams. And as soon as as soon as soon they start getting high up in the lottery, they start drafting top prospects, that opportunity goes away. And I think that that could be a situation with Kevin Porter Jr. So the success Kevin Porter Jr. had last year put him at 242nd in 9-cat in 32 minutes a game, terrible percentages, just, just I, his fantasy game is not friendly unless you were in a very specific build and it is very volume driven. So I would have already been trying to sell Kevin Porter jr. But now I think it would be interesting to see what you could get for him with the threat of a Jalen green draft pick by the Houston Rockets at number two. I
0: agree, and I don't want to get into too much numbers just because we don't know. But as you mentioned, KPJ, his percentages are low, his turnovers are high, and he's got character issues, we know. And that's kind of scary for a player uh, at, at his young of an age to, uh, to be having that as well for, for teams. So, and, and the Rockets, like you mentioned, are going to be in that top five for... It seems like maybe the next three, four years, we, yep. unless, they, unless they start hitting on some players within the next couple of years. But yeah, those two players, I'd be on the, on the lookout to not really trade. Again, we don't really know who they're going to take, but those players will be influenced, and that's,
1: that's for certain. Absolutely. What's not for certain is who the Cleveland Cavaliers might take at three. And it obviously depends on who goes one and two. As you get further down the draft, the options go way up. But it seems like at number three, the Cavs will take whoever the Houston Rockets don't in Jalen Green and Evan Mobley. And that drastically changes some players' value if they stay on the Cavs.
0: Yes, we can definitely see some, some big changes coming to Cleveland with them being one of the luckier teams bumping up to that third spot. And I've really liked what Cleveland has done the past couple of years they've hit on a lot of their picks sexton looks like a decent player he, at least nothing else he's a good scorer garland looked really good last year and made a lot of improvements okoro you saw the potential in him to be a two-way player if he can improve his shooting and kind of make just overall improvements that most rookies do I, I really like their roster and what they currently have and then having the third pick to build on that i think is great so let's kind of dive into to the two options that we have and it's very similar to Houston, you know. If,
1: if Cleveland takes Mobley, it's worse than Houston. It, like, as far as as far as fantasy value goes, it yes, it's yeah. probably worse it's, than Houston. You're right.
0: If they end up taking Mobley, then the question becomes: Are they going to re-sign Jared Allen? And that's a big question because with Jared Allen being a restricted free agent this year, are you going to want to commit that much money to a center? when you have a guy in Mobley who, by all accounts, coming into the league might even be better right away. Jared Allen's pretty good, but
1: they have a a reason to want to play Mobley because his ceiling is a lot higher.
0: And for what he's going to cost compared to the offer sheet that Jared Allen could potentially sign with another team and and having to match that, you you obviously have to weigh the, the two. And for me, I see them letting Jared Allen go. And I don't like that anytime there's a a center on the market, I always get a little bit nervous, especially a young guy like Jared Allen, who maybe a lot of people or a lot of teams either traded for or invested heavily in a startup draft. It makes me nervous when they're on the market.
1: And it's funny because we've talked in the past about guys like Jared Allen Rashawn Holmes, Montrez Harrell, guys that are – on the market this summer and what that could mean positively or negatively for their value. And I I feel like there's a situation where Allen retains a lot of the value people probably felt he had this year, even if he goes somewhere else. Because if he is a free agent and he gets paid, then obviously that's good because they – cared enough to pay him. Jared Allen was the 85th overall player in nine cat, despite not really contributing to threes, steals, or free throw percentage. And I'm sure in a punt threes and field throw free throw percentage, he was just top 25. But if they have a chance to draft Evan Mobley, if Jalen Green is gone, I think they have to take him. And that just means they have to do something with Jared Allen. And that's just a little bit, I agree with you that a big going on the market just isn't great right now because of how devalued centers seem to be. But at the same time, he Jared Allen is only 23 years old, so he has some time. If you're Jared Allen holder, you're probably just got to wait it out. I don't think there's any moves you can make right now unless somebody blows you away.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. And we, again, I'm going to keep stressing on this. I'm going to keep harping on this. We really have no clue what's going to happen. Nope. We don't know who Cleveland, especially Cleveland. They're just going to take whoever kind of falls to them. If they end up keeping that pick, they may trade it. Who knows? So you got to hold all these players that we're discussing. We just kind of like to imagine and maybe even forecast what potentially could happen. So, and Jared Allen is one of those guys that would be affected if Mobley goes there. Uh, and the other guy that I do want to mention and, and let Rhett talk about a little bit more too, is what happens if Jalen Green is taking third. Probably maybe the, I would say, more the likelier of the two options to happen is Green falling to third. I agree.
1: Sexton's probably being traded. And the reason, and it's not just about fit, because we've talked about it before, multiple ball handlers, multiple shot creators, you just can't have too much of that in the league right now, especially as the league goes smaller. And I think Jalen Green's like 6'5", so he could play the three, next to Garland and Sexton if they wanted to. They have a Coro who's also 6'6. So that's a really small group. But there's you could you could see something like that happening. But if I'm the Cavs and I draft Jalen Green, I am trying to trade Colin Sexton before he hits restrictive free agency and tries to get a contract north of 20 million because I personally don't see Colin Sexton as anything other than a scorer. He, he's been efficient at that. It's been great. But uh, for, for what he does, I just think it's somewhat replaceable. And I think that he has a much bigger name and a much his, the expectation of what he does for fantasy doesn't quite line up with what he actually does for fantasy and what he actually does for fantasy is finishes just around the top 100 only contributing positively to points barely assists with just a little bit over four, which is a career high for him. And then just barely free throw percentage as well. So if they get Jalen green, I would look to see Colin Sexton on the move. I'm not sure what that would do for his fantasy value either, because presumably a team trading for him wants him complete speculation, but something to watch for, for sure.
0: And he's a player. A lot of teams could use. So I, I could see him getting traded and his value staying the exact same. I, th- I think, but even if- I doubt
1: they would use him as a starting point guard. Getting what did he get this year? Thirty-five got, minutes he, a game. Yeah,
0: he got a ton so, of minutes on that team. And honestly, this is just my personal opinion, but the Cavs would be better off breaking them two up. As you, we yep. mentioned before, on the defensive end, they're just such a big liability to have. Both Garland. and Oh Sears no, they're not a big liability. They're
1: very, very small. They're <laughs> <laughs> they no, but they are a big liability. Yeah, I just don't I just don't there's just no decisions to be made right now with that. But I think Cleveland is probably in it they're in a really good spot because one of Mobley or Green if they get Mobley that means they don't have to pay Jared Allen 20 to 25 million dollars a year. If they get Green, that means they can pay Allen if they want to and it means that they likely don't have to pay Sexton 20 to 25 million dollars a year next year. So uh yep. You overall, got anything else?
0: Yeah, just overall good things. If you're a Cleveland fan,
1: uh, you really oh, do have huge. to like be liking the direction this team is heading in. Huge. And the last team to jump up into the lottery, the Toronto slash Tampa Bay Raptors, <laughs> who were the biggest movers of the draft, jumping up from seven to four, three spots. Cleveland jumped from five to three and is just two. So Toronto at four, they're just happy to be there. That's pretty much all that is there. It's a, it's supposed to be a five person draft, but it's starting to dwindle down more to four, cutting off Jonathan Kaminga. But what do you think Toronto does at the four spot? So I think
0: Toronto would be ecstatic to get any of the three players that we've mentioned fall to them. If that just does so happen, they're kind of, they're kind of in a position to just take the best player available, right? As a team, uh, they could use a big, They've really needed a, a center for a while now. They, I mean, they've been putting Siakam at the five for, for some games. That's that's how bad they've really needed an effective five.
1: Chris Boucher is not a starting center. He is not no. a 32-minute-a-game 30, center in this league. No, not at
0: all. And, and he's a great fantasy player. Love his fantasy game. I wish he would get those 30 minutes per game. But <laughs> when you watch him, he, he is a guy that just is more of a, a – kind of like a Montrez just come off the bench, bring that energy. But so I think Toronto's in a situation where they can really just sit back, see who falls to them and really take any position that they want because every team could use more wings. They can definitely yep. use a center. Yep. And as we've kind of prefaced before, Kyle Lowry is going to be gone more than likely. I think there's especially
1: a, a, with this jump up
0: a high percentage that they're not going to pay lowry the 25 to 30 million a year that he's going to command elsewhere so now they can be in the market for a point guard as well so they're just in a great spot and I think the guy that they end up getting is Jalen Suggs that's kind of the consensus and the mocks that I've seen they'd be like I said they'd be ecstatic for any of the three guys that we've talked about previously to fall to them if not I think you could they got to be thrilled to take Jalen
1: Suggs as well The thing with Toronto is there isn't a high-impact fantasy player that could see their value drop significantly. Malachi Flynn is probably the one who's impacted the most by a Jalen Green, or Jalen Suggs, or Jalen Green, I guess, draft pick. But, like, Christian Wood goes from a 60th overall player to maybe top 80 if he loses a couple minutes a game. Malachi Flynn was on, like, very deep radars but not a staple in any team so if you roster any toronto players you weren't you shouldn't have been worried about what the lottery was going to do to your players value moving forward because of how solid that team's core is and how secure all of them are in their roles with fred van fleet pascal siakam and og ananobi it's the it's the other two positions on either end, the point guard slash shooting guard, depending on what you want to call Fred Van Vliet. And then the big that were really up in the air. And now I think there's a chance that Evan Mobley makes it to four. Some people were talking to him about him, like he's the second player in the draft, but I just think bigs, they're just not as value. And if you're Houston and you take Jalen green. Okay. And if you're Cleveland and you're looking at it, you're like, man, we really like Jared Allen. And we kind of want to get off Sexton, anyways. So let's just take Jalen Suggs. He's a winner. Yeah, you, can and, see, and you can see that. We
0: we might even know that before the draft. I mean, I could right. see a Sexton trade getting done. Yeah. Next week. So you just never know. We could know before the draft if if we see Sexton moved, we know what Cleveland's going to do. Or
1: Cleveland it, could trade back. Toronto could trade back. There's there's so many options for these teams, especially. Cleveland, Toronto, I don't know how much about Houston because they just need top end talent, but Cleveland has a decent core with, I think, Garland, decoro Allen, I guess, depending on how you feel about that. Toronto, you know they have a good core because they won a title with them two years ago. Obviously, a lot of roster changes since then, but I just think that they are teams that could be looking to trade back if there's a the right package presented to them by a couple of the teams that we're going to talk about later that have multiple picks in the first round. And I think Toronto is a prime candidate for that at the four spot.
0: And, and you mentioned Malachi Flynn potentially losing yeah. some of his value that, that he really added towards the end of last season. What do you think of maybe Gary Trent the, and, and Toronto, maybe letting him go and not giving him, the money that
1: he may get elsewhere I that's a good question and I'm glad that you brought that up I believe Powell was the unrestricted free agent Gary Trent is a restricted free agent so Toronto can match correct if they if they choose to now I think this does impact Gary Trent but I, again I don't think Gary Trent was a cornerstone to any Dynasty franchises that no that, that's a huge deal, but I do th- I do think there's a situation where Toronto decides just to not keep Gary Trent in favor of giving those minutes to Jalen Suggs. Be-
0: because I I only say that because I saw a scenario, and I think Toronto probably would have done something in the off season. But if Toronto did retain that that seventh pick that they were projected to get, yeah. And they're not able to fill that point guard. Maybe Fred Van Fleet moves to the point guard because and he's very Trent capable starts of too. yeah. Them. And Trent could be getting 30 minutes yeah. as the starter there. Whereas now, if either they don't retain him or they do keep him, he's probably back down to that 25 to 28-minute range off the bench.
1: And, and that can definitely affect a guy's value. So Gary Trent on the season was 148th and played 31 minutes a game. So he's 148th overall, playing 31 minutes a game. He's only 22. I would guess that's high. Those minutes are going to be high for him. I, I could see
0: 31 minutes for him though next year if Toronto wasn't going to draft a guard.
1: And and maybe we were overthinking this because, like you said, Fred VanVleet could play the point, and so maybe Malachi Flynn is the fourth guard on the depth or the fifth guard on the depth chart, whatever that is. And it's Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Suggs, or Jalen Green, whoever. And then, Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent. And maybe that's how it goes. And Malachi Flynn is a bigger loser than what we think. But I, I think these guys, unless you have very strong feelings one way or another, where it's like, Malachi Flynn's going to be buried on the depth chart. I need to get off of him. Gary Trent's going to blow up. I need to get a hold of him. If you have those stronger feelings... We're not going to be able to tell you any different, but there's definitely some situations where they could be bought or sold depending on the price that you're being offered. If if you're in a league with a Toronto fan and they just want to rack up all the Raptors, see what they're going to offer you. If you can get a first round pick for Gary Trent or Malachi Flynn, probably just going to go ahead and do it. Kick that can down the road a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and Toronto just – I just can't believe that they got that fortunate. They have one down season and boom they're They get the fourth pick. I hate it so much as a Pacers fan, right? It's, it's unbelievable, but Hey, that's the, that's the lottery for you. Gotta love it.
1: Yeah. They definitely could use some good fortune. They haven't had any luck in the last couple of years with any moves or anything. So I, I, they, they've just been terrible forever, right? They just needed a top four pick (laughs) basketball gods. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the top four. I don't think there's anything crazy in there. I do think there's a chance Mobley slips to four, which could be looked back on as, as crazy if he ends up being the second best player in the draft. But we also know how the league values perimeter players. So people have been asking me for betting tips. And I always get asked, who you got? Suns or Clippers, Devin Booker or Paul George for points? And I'll tell you what I tell them where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And that's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's reputation is rock solid. They've got the best odds, contests and promotions in the business. And they're the only place I trust to handle my NBA related bets and the one sports book that's guaranteed to give me the best lines for the NBA playoff games. I don't give my stamp of approval out easily. I don't give it to just anybody to earn it. You have to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's very, very simple. Sign up in promo code hoopball. That's H O O P B A L L and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. Head over to my bookie. If you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet, bet with the best bet with my bookie. Now we're going to transition into the teams who have multiple first round picks. And that is the Orlando magic, the Oklahoma city thunder golden state warriors, and then the Orlando magic courtesy of your Chicago bulls. So starting off, (laughs) got them pick number five, Orlando. What do you think?
0: So Orlando's, I I think they're sad. I mean, I know they have two picks inside the top 10, but if you look at this draft, they're a definite loser. I mean, they had...
1: This was worst case it, scenario. It,
0: it definitely was. Yeah, they they had the opportunity to be inside that top three or even top four because in my eyes, and I think in most analysts' eyes, there's a clear top four players. And then that fifth yes. spot, it starts to get, well, maybe team fit or the upside. There's a lot of different variables as more than just taking best available player because we don't really have that starting at pick five. Uh, The consensus is Kaminga. They're coming in. He's a guy that really showed a lot of athleticism in the G League, but maybe not so much production was there. With Orlando, I think the the, the best thing that happened to Orlando is, from a a dynasty perspective and getting that fifth pick, is if you own an Orlando guard, you have to be somewhat happy. Boy, am I. (laughs) with them not being in that top four and the guards that are up there. So if you own Fultz, Hampton, uh, Cole Anthony, congratulations because you you did catch a little bit of a break here. I definitely think with both those picks, they're going to go with wings. They need wings on that team. All they really have is Okiki. They have a good front court. They have some young guys in the front court, and they have some young guys at the point guard position and shooting guard position.
1: They need to add wings to that team. And I think that's the direction they're going to go. This was probably, I don't want to say worst case scenario, but darn near worst case scenario (laughs) for Orlando because they had as good of a chance as getting the first pick as they did getting the fifth pick. I believe that's how that math checks out, which is just heartbreaking for a team who decided to bottom out at the trade deadline, trade everybody away had the third best odds and then dropped down to five, but it is best case scenario. Like Travis said, for anybody who owned any Orlando magic player from this past season, because of the talent at the top of the draft and the positions that they played, like he said, if, if you have Anthony Fultz or Hampton, like I sent out trades with RJ Hampton in them at leading up to the lottery Because I was like, I need to get off of him because he's going to lose all that value when Jalen Green comes in and takes all of his minutes. I also have Wendell Carter Jr. sitting there sweating bullets because Evan Mobley could be in an Orlando Magic uniform and then has that like tanks, all the other bigs on the roster. But that didn't happen. And Jonathan Kaminga is exactly the kind of player that Orlando likes and the exact player they should take. This is a pretty, it is worst case scenario for them because the, the consensus is dropping from a top, from a five-player draft to a four-player draft. But for what the Magic need, as far as a roster goes, Kaminga's, like, they might have taken him four. If they liked their guards that much, they might have just taken Kaminga. And so I'm excited to see what Orlando does if they stay at five, but also knowing they have five and eight. They could, and they need that top end talent. Like we said, like I don't know how you feel about R.J. Hampton, Cole Anthony, Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Bamba. As far as like true starting above average starters in the league, but Orlando has the motivation and the means, in my opinion, to trade up and get one of those, uh, maybe three or four.
0: They do the potentials there. I think they would definitely have to package five and eight. Yes. To move up. And I'm trying to think of one of those teams that would potentially move down. Maybe Cleveland, maybe once they're happy with what they have currently and want a little bit more
1: depth. I think Toronto, Toronto is a couple chances, a a much better candidate to do so because they have their core figured out. They could get Scotty Barnes at five and then get, you know, whoever they like at eight, grab a big at eight if they want to.
0: So yeah, it's a trade's a definite possibility. I don't see it. I think Orlando is really deprived of top end talent and they're going to take as many chances as they can yeah. get to find players for the future. Yeah, And they have, if you go through their roster and from a dynasty perspective, you know, you, they have some pretty useful players from an NBA perspective. They're, they're somewhat underwhelming. They or A lot of these guys have been just underwhelming in their career. Markel Fultz, uh, Wendell Carter, jr. Both guys are young, but not what you thought they were going to be um, when they were drafted in the league. So yeah. Orlando definitely needs the talent. I The only guy that I really see potentially being hurt by this is a guy me, me and you both were selling on anyway, and that's Chuma Okiki. Yeah. We knew he wasn't going to get the run that he was getting towards the end of last season. Specifically for this reason, the Magic needed wings. Mm-hmm. And, and and they're gonna they're gonna take. I'd be shocked if they didn't take two wing players in this draft.
1: I agree. I I know they have Isaac, and that matters a lot. But we also know, first off, the player type that the Orlando Magic draft is Jonathan Kaminga, <laughs> because they just take a wing player that has ridiculous body dimensions and is somewhere between six six and six ten. And then they just hope for the best. And I mean, I don't blame them at all. So I agree. I think they end up staying at five and eight. It probably take, if Kaminga is their pick at five, I think that's a great pick. I don't think that they would have any problem with that at all. If they somehow get one of the other four, uh, the four top players, if Scotty Barnes somehow goes four to Toronto and they can get Jalen Suggs at five, I think that's a no brainer as well. And that changes the math a little bit on the rest of those guards for the magic, but I don't think there's any doubt that while this isn't ideal for the magic, it could be worse. They could be at six in a four to five player draft. And then you're, you're really kicking yourself for how your terrible luck.
0: I, I think the biggest thing is that they, they do have two picks inside the top 10. Yeah. So that's, that's something to to take solace from, I guess. If if I'm a Magic fan, I'm I'm pretty disappointed overall.
1: It's not great. <laughs> like, just wipe your tears with five and eight. How about that? Like I'm sitting over here at thirteen. Trav will gladly take that number eight pick back if you don't want it. Yeah, but, absolutely. <laughs> speaking of teams that just have multiple picks, this team is ridiculous, and yet they're probably the biggest losers of the entire draft and that is the OKC Thunder who slid back to six. It's kind of funny to me because they had the what they have, the fourth worst odds. So they were up there. But I think it's kind of poetic in a way that they treated the this last season the way they did and they ended up not winning the lottery and they ended up sliding back to number six in a four to five player draft.
0: Yeah, I think they're disappointed. But they're also like, we'll try again next year.
1: And right. We'll and the year, year after that. <laughs> so and the year after that.
0: They're they're disappointed, but they, they definitely have a lot of firepower in this draft. There's there's no doubt in the future drafts, they they have a ton of picks. And and that's something we've talked about with this team, is nobody's spot is safe other than SGA. If if yes. you own if you own any Thunder player, I don't see how you can be confident in any of them other than SGA. And that goes for some really upside players like Baisley or Poku. Poku's a name that's just been trending up in every region or in every startup draft I've seen. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of trades with him involved that I'm just like, really is Poku that valued in your league? And it seems to be that way Yeah, that a, just a lot of teams are really gravitate towards him due to that potential that he does have. And uh, granted he does have a ton of upside. His from a fantasy perspective, his game could be massive. Pretty ridiculous. But man, it just makes me so nervous with Oklahoma City Thunder having so many picks, so many opportunities to bring in talent and bring in competition. It I I would just I would if I had Poku, I would be trading him right now for some value that I can get out of him before he even reaches that
1: potential or bus. I would probably hold on Poku for this year specifically because OKC has 6, 16 and 18. The players they get at those picks and and they have a lot of roster needs like we talked about. They've got SGA, Dort, Kemba now, but they're not going to have Kemba when the season starts, I, I would guess. Baisley Poku, and then Isaiah Roby that's a roster that needs help everywhere, and i I feel like they they use the picks on guys like Poku, and so they will try to develop them while they don't have an immediate replacement for them, which I think is the case this year that I would imagine they take, I think a couple of mocks have them taking Scotty Barnes at six um, or like Franz Wagner, Davion Mitchell, you know, anything like that. But I think Poku can play with just about any of them. And I think this is the year where if you picked up Poku just out of like obligation, because it's Okay. He's got a ridiculous fantasy ceiling. Don't know if I really trust him. This is the year that you hold. He's going to play. And you hope that there are those glimpses of upside that make somebody really come over and overwhelm you because I agree. I just, they have so many picks that it's, it's hard for me to see them making anybody on that team a priority other than SGA, like you said. But if they were to make somebody else, I think Poku would be second, just because of how unique he is and how flexible it seems like he can be playing with anybody else on the floor. It, and they had a lot of useful players last year.
0: I, I mean, Maladon was really good last year with SGA being hurt. Yeah. Dort was, had some solid moments. I, I mean, I found myself picking up uh, Kendrick Williams, Yep. A lot when he was getting close to 30 minutes and somewhat useful. So they did have a lot of useful players next year. Just be ready for the following season coming next year after this draft for there to be a completely new set of players that are going to be useful throughout the season and be on that waiver wire. um, For those of you that, that do like to have a rotational spot.
1: And that's not a bad thing at all, but I think, The most interesting team in the lottery this year is our next one and last one. And that's the Golden State Warriors who took the Minnesota Timberwolves pick this year at seven, which isn't as good as it could have been. But I think they'll take Andrew Wiggins and the number seven pick for D'Angelo Russell. I I would do that deal. (laughs) And they also have 14. So my question to you, do they even keep those picks?
0: The word out of the Golden State camp sounds like they are absolutely going to shop those picks. They are trying to win now. They don't want to spend time trying to develop players when they can use that draft capital to get a player to help them now. They're, they're win, they think their window of opportunity is still wide open, and I tend to agree with them when you have a player like Steph Curry on your team. have to. You have to go for it now. Granted, they've been blessed. That franchise has been blessed with the the championships that they've won already. But they still see that window being open. And they got this capital to use. They got some players on their team that they could move as well. Uh, Maybe like an Ubre sign-in trade or a Wiggins trade. They have the salaries to match and bring in a big-time player. So these picks, to me, I think they're going to just try and find a deal that suits their team and just throw these picks along with it.
1: I could not agree more. I think it would be borderline irresponsible for the Warriors to just take these picks because this team, they need to win like right this second this year. I think Curry's a free agent next year, maybe the year after, but like it is next year. Yeah, After this they, season. Yep, they need to win, win. They like they, they they're getting Clay back. They already have Draymond. They've got Curry. Like that's the big three. We saw how how much Wiseman struggled last year, and we talked about it in uh, in our previous episode. Oubre did not pick up that system well. It's not a system that's for everybody. And with bringing in two rookies and hoping that they can contribute on that team, that's just I just don't see that as an option, especially with a pick like number seven that can get you a really good player. We've talked about it being a four or five five player draft. That's for stars. That's for top-end talent. But I feel like from, from five, depending on how you feel about Jonathan Kaminga, through 10, it's a pretty solid draft with guys that are going to be good. Maybe not great, but good. And I think that teams will want to get, they'll, they'll value that number seven pick.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of players in this draft that have a lot of talent and and like every draft, I mean, we, they try to project and there's a lot of guys in here that, that project to be a, a starter caliber player in the NBA. And like you mentioned that, that seventh pick is just super valuable. It would be somewhat of a shame for golden state to have to take a player I've seen Davion Mitchell being a great fit for them and an older player coming into the league, a guy that kind of fits that mold ball handler, Mm -hmm. good defender. But do you really want to take a guy like that this high? Not that I have anything against Davion Mitchell. I think he's a good player. He's a really solid player. Baylor grad. Yep. Sick (laughs) (laughs) him. But it's, I don't think that I don't think they want to do that. No. They they don't have money. They don't have any cap room to play with. So what can they do? They have to basically ship a player out and bring a player in that matches the salary and in order to do that, they may have to attach a pick to it.
1: And the salary is the only the only reason why them keeping these picks makes any sense. And it's because they're a very low salary cost controlled for a while. And, and we just talked about how they can be some starter level players in that area and definitely rotation level players. I think there's just a really big difference to me between, oh yeah, you're a rotation player for the Pacers, for the Spurs, for the Hornets. And, oh, you're a rotation level player for the Warriors. That The expectations there are so different. And I, and I think that there's there's a lot of players in here who they will be rotation-level players. I just don't think the Warriors should take that chance that they don't quite come along as, fastly, as fast as they'd like.
0: And if you look at what the Warriors did last year, by and large, Steph had an incredible season, and they were still a very mediocre team. Not good. You can't tell me that Clay Thompson, while a great player, replacing a guy like Kelly Oubre is going to bump them up the standings or make them that much better of a team. That you, no, they're just, they're just, they're not going to get that much better having a Plus some small development
1: that. from wise men. Okay, great. Not that
0: big of an but, but, impact. But by and large, I think they look at this roster and say, we need to do something. Our window of opportunity is right now. What can we do? Who can we go out and get mm-hmm. and make this team a, a, a top
1: four seed in the West? So we're talking a lot about the Warriors as a team and all of that. And and the reason that is there's a lot of uncertainty with whether or not they even keep this pick. If these picks, I should say, if they do keep these picks, I don't think it impacts anybody on the roster. That's actually worth rostering in standard dynasty leagues. And third, if they end up trading a Wiggins and the seven and the 14 for Beal, Let's just throw that that's the name people are gonna wanna attach to it. I don't that doesn't change anybody else's value either, really. I we saw Steph and KD both be top five fantasy players playing together. We know what Steph is as a player, as an offball mover, as an as an offball player. And Draymond is gonna facilitate. He's gonna do what he does on the offensive end, and then he's gonna get steals and blocks on the defensive end. Clay's gonna come in and splash if he's healthy. Uh, hopefully he comes back from injury because he's just a fun player to watch. And Steph's value clearly isn't going to be impacted by anybody they bring in if it's not going to be impacted by Kevin Durant. And if Kevin Durant can come in and be top five, then I'm sure Bradley Beal's impact is going to be just fine. So that's like, there's not much to take away dynasty-wise from them having these picks. I will say, Wiseman has the most to gain from this off season uh, more than any other player on the Warriors, simply because I think his value goes up if he gets moved somewhere else.
0: And and I was just about to say, I think Wiseman out of all these players might have the most to lose. Ooh. And that's, and that's if, if he doesn't get moved, uh-huh. if they, if they utilize these picks to bring in a center and maybe they move a guy like Wiggins out for salary match purposes and, and, retain Wiseman in whatever deal they make yeah and now he's relegated to a, a similar role to last year just coming off the bench having yeah. limited minutes again not going to affect his dynasty value because it should those those who you that drafted Wiseman you, you saw the talent he has last year he just needs to put it all together and I think he eventually will but if you're looking next year for him to make a big jump potentially they could bring in a a guy like Miles Turner Yeah, or or I don't see how they can sign anybody really, but they can bring a guy (laughs) in via via trade to, Uh to fill that five spot for them and potentially affect Wiseman a little bit if he isn't moved out in that deal.
1: That's true. That's a good point. I think I would not be shocked at all if there's a trade between the Pacers and the Warriors. I'm hoping that that's the case because even though the Pacers hired Rick Carlisle, uh, there's still a lot of roster moves that need to be made, but we can get into that when the time comes right now. I want to thank everybody for coming on to listen. If you wouldn't mind, please go give us five-star reviews on Apple podcast, Google podcast, wherever you get your podcast from that would help us out a lot. Leave a, leave a rating, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you positives, negatives, whatever, something you think we can do better. And if you have any questions, Please feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Rhett underscore Bauer. That's at R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. I would be more than happy to take any of your questions about individual players, drafts, trades, anything like that. Always have time. We've got a lot of stuff coming out for HoopBall. Uh, Hoop-Ball.com, daily fantasy coverage, redraft coverage. The Fantasy NBA Today show by Dan Bespris is... One of the best out there, constant episodes, always coming out. Great articles coming out. It's just, there's just a lot of good stuff. Please go check it out and let us know what you think. Trav, do you have anything else? This is just the tip of the iceberg for
0: our oh, draft man, coverage, by the way. Um, we have, a, a, we're going to have a lot more content coming out based on the draft. So it is something I, I love. This is one of my, like I said, this is one of my favorite parts of the year. I watch a ton of college hoops, I'm a big college basketball guy as well. So just seeing these players, seeing where they're go um, and the talent that they have, it's something that I I feel I'm pretty knowledgeable knowledgeable about. So I'm really looking forward to the draft and I'm looking forward to uh, the the combine and and all that good stuff that leads up to it. So we will be having a ton more content on draft coverage and and the effect that
1: these players may have. And this off season is is not even really started yet. We still got playoff basketball going on. There's going to be a lot more transactions, moves, draft, everything's going to impact Dynasty Value, and we're going to be here to break it all down for you. So I hope you look forward to that, and we'll talk to you guys.